7.30 Tuesday. And so Chris is coming now. He's going to give us the word of God. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, before I go into the word, I just have one last announcement for everybody. We know that we're coming up on a school year. Parents get it up because the kids are getting out the house. You can clap for that. But a real reality is, is that our kids need school supplies also. So this week, I want you guys to hear it. This week, we're going to be doing a school supply drive. So that means Monday through Thursday, you can bring by the office any kind of school supplies that you can find, whether it's crayons, notebooks, loose-leaf paper. Um, we're really looking for backpacks because we want to be able to bless our families who uh, may find it a little bit of a struggle to get all those things and to get everything prepared for school. If you're a parent, you know all the demands that come with the new school years, whether it's school clothes, supplies, that we want to be able to be a blessing to those who may be in need. All right? So I just want to encourage everybody, if you're out shopping, pick something up. School supplies aren't that expensive. We want to make sure we focus on backpacks, but everything else, the whole gamut, we want to make sure that on next Sunday, what we're going to do is we're not having church, but I will be here. And if there are any families who need school supplies, I'll have it all organized in the church offices over there, and I will be here from 4 to 6 p.m. next Sunday. So if you're a family in need of school supplies, please come on out next Sunday. We're going to gather all that stuff throughout the week, and we'll distribute it next Sunday because we don't have church. Does that sound good? Yeah. Oh, man, gosh, you guys are asleep. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay, that, that makes me feel happy. So when I preach, I need a little bit of participation. Sometimes we get a little bit interactive. Um, because I'm preaching about anger today, that could be a little bit heavy. You guys think so? And if anybody knows me, I like telling corny jokes. So we're going to open it up. We're going to break the ice with some corny jokes today. Yeah, I saw all the excitement. And if you know me, my jokes are corny. So God bless you, sir. Why are T-Rexes always so angry? Uh-uh, because they never received hugs from their dad. Oh, man, y'all are a tough audience. You didn't get it? Okay. Why, do T -rex, why are T-Rexes always so angry? Because they never received hugs from their dad. You get it? Tough crowd, tough crowd. Okay, okay. Hey, I thought it was hilarious. Anyway, <laughs> I'll get, get to another one. So we're wrapping up our sermon series. <laughs> God bless. Thank you. That's what I'm talking about, sister. Start it up. We're <laughs> wrapping up our sermon series um, called Proverbial. And what we're doing is we're taking different topics that we read in Proverbs, and we're expounding upon them. And I'm wrapping that up, and we're talking about anger. Before I get into the content of our sermon, you all might think this is my second joke, but I'm going to tell a story. And it's about our, our topic. So everybody turn around and look at my wife. That's my wife right there. That's, that's my wife. She's in this story. So, you know, me and my wife had a disagreement one day, and I, I realized that our disagreement was starting to escalate, and my wife was starting to get really angry. And, you know, when your spouse gets angry, you want to give them a little bit of space. So I left the house a little. And I said, you know, I'm going to come back. Maybe she's cooled down, and I come back. I'm like, man, she's in a good space right now. So I said, hey, babe, how you doing? She said, I'm doing great. I was like, wow. I was like, man, you must have processed your anger really well. I'm like, 
you good? You sold it? Yeah, I'm great. I said, what did you do to get all that out of you? So I just cleaned the house. I said, oh, man, maybe I should start cleaning if it get rid of my anger like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good outlet when I clean the toilet with your toothbrush. Ah! <laughs> so that is not a true story. <laughs> my wife would never do that. But what that story does point out is like a real thing about anger, right? <laughs> the thing about anger is this a strong emotion. But not only that, I think we can all relate to doing something that you weren't proud of out of anger, right? If my wife had done that to me, I'm sure she wouldn't have been proud of it. At least I hope not. Maybe she would. But anger is a strong emotion that comes in the time of an offense. It lets you know when your boundaries have been crossed. It's an emotion that protects us. It makes us feel powerful. And it's also an emotion that can save our lives, right? So anger is not bad all the time. It can be. You say, Chris, how can it not be bad? So if I'm a female walking down the street late at night, which I'm sure some of our ladies have experienced, and someone comes at you and crosses your boundaries, someone might grab you by the arm, someone might do something, take a little bit further, and in anger you respond. Your anger in that moment could be a life-saving emotion, right? If someone grabs you at night when you're walking down the street and out of anger, you stomp on their toe and pop them in the nose, that's a good, that's a good reason that God put that emotion in you. Am I right? So God gives us these emotions, and they're there to help us sometimes. And I'm not talking about that. I'm, I want to talk about anger when that life-saving emotion that God puts in us becomes a life-destroying emotion. Some of us could be anger eruptors, right? And when we erupt with anger, we destroy others. We can destroy relationships. Others might be an anger packer, and it's like when we push anger down. Anybody can relate to that? When we pack anger down, we destroy ourselves. And what I'd like to talk about today is the only way we can really navigate through this issue is if we can see things through the eyes of God. And that's through the eyes of compassion. In the world, we experience anger and we feel strong and powerful. And that's why when we approach anger from the perspective of Christ, we need to find our strength and power and compassion. I just want to pray before we get into this. Is that okay? Because this can be a real heavy subject. And I just pray because sometimes I see hearts of people and I just feel like, they're protected by a brick wall all around. And so right now, God, I just pray that you start, as we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to start taking the bricks away piece by piece. And allow us to receive healing in our hearts in areas that we may have walled up, Lord God. I ask that you speak to us and that your presence will be with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, in this sermon, I like to talk about what the scriptures say about anger. I like to talk about how we respond in our times of anger, how that affects others, how that affects ourselves. Lastly, I like to talk about how do we respond in love and not in anger when we're offended. So, let's talk about it. Anger is a strong emotional reaction of displeasure, often leading to plans of revenge or punishment. That's like the biblical definition. And it's important that we know that it's a reaction of displeasure, meaning someone did something to me and something needs to be done about it. You get that? 
And there are lots of words in the Hebrew and Greek that express anger, and they're more or less used interchangeably, and I cannot pronounce them at all, so I'm not going to try. But we're going to look at also what it says in Proverbs about anger. You guys with me? All right, we're going to go through them slow. Proverbs 29, verse 22. A man prone to anger stirs up strife. Anyone disposed to rage commits many transgressions. I'm going to read that again because that that one hits me because that's the reality. A man prone to anger stirs up strife. Anyone disposed to rage commits many transgressions. We'll go to another proverb, 1518. A wrathful man stirs up discord but one slow to anger calm strife. Proverbs 16, 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. We're going to go over one more proverb. That's fourteen seventeen. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. Now, Proverbs talks about the dangers of anger, right? And I also like to bring this around because we, I want to talk about where anger starts because when anger approaches us in the moment of offense, we have options. There's always a road. We can choose. So we're going to go to Genesis 4, verse 5. And we're going to talk about Cain. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain, his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Now, not only is the Lord talking to Cain and saying, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? He's not just talking about his offering. He's talking about in this moment right now in his anger. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It deserves to have you, but you must rule over it. I'm just going to read that one more time. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching out your door. And my question for us today, for us to explore too, is what does it mean for us to rule over our anger? And it's important because Jesus gave us two commandments that sums up all of the commandments. Does anybody remember? Love the Lord God with all your heart. And what's the second one? Our anger directly attacks how we love each other, how we love each other well. And not even our enemy, but the closest people to us. Being in anger, acting out of anger, it attacks that very thing that Jesus told us to do. And so we need to look at this seriously because God has something to say about that. Let's look at how we process anger. We see that Cain was an angry eruptor, right? We all deal with anger and we process it differently. Imagine, imagine anger being like a 10-year-old child. You wouldn't allow a 10-year-old child to drive your car, would you? 
it'd be mayhem. Has anybody ever seen those mayhem commercials? It is mayhem. If you let a 10-year-old drive your car, the hedges will be mowed down. The car will end up on a sidewalk somewhere. And it will just be, it'll be crazy. Now imagine that as a person who's an angry eruptor, right? That person could be very destructive, and it could potentially destroy relationships. And in the same way you wouldn't allow a 10-year-old to drive a car, you would also not allow your 10-year-old to be put in the trunk of your car and driven around. And that's like a person who stuffs anger. And sometimes we stuff anger. We, we stuff it so down so we don't have to deal with it. We don't have to deal with the pain of it. We don't have to deal with it. Sometimes we stuff it so far down that we actually run away from it. And researchers show that suppressing anger creates a whole host of issues that can be just as dangerous or damaging than people who are eruptors. When we erupt, we hurt others, right? But when we pack it down in, we hurt ourselves. So packing down anger could look like things that form in our body. We could start getting flags like tenseness in our shoulders and our neck. Has anybody ever experienced that? When you pack down anger, it can affect your body adversely. And that tension can lead to tension headaches or tension migraines. It could lead to acid reflux, sleep apnea, diarrhea, anxiety attacks. And to be honest with you guys, these are all things in which I suffer from and which I'm processing with as we speak. I see Makita laughing because I said diarrhea. I'm good. Don't play with me. <laughs> so, but seriously, I never thought I had an anger problem because I'm not an eruptor. Can anybody relate to that? I'm an anger packer. And like I said, I deal with all of those issues, and it affects me, and, and I have to deal with it. And like, look, I'm not just a packer. I pack this stuff so deep down because I refuse to allow my emotions to hurt people. But when I pack that stuff down, I pack it down. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to face it. I don't want to turn around. It's almost to the fact, it's almost to the point that I've packed it so far down that I run away from it. And I'm killing myself. And it's not until the Holy Spirit made me turn around and look myself in the face and deal with it. That's the point where I started receiving healing. And I'm in that process, and it's one of the most beautiful things. It's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But God is healing my heart. God is healing my heart because I'm dealing with my anger first with me. Did you guys hear that? We got to face it. We got to face ourselves first. And when we face ourselves, then we can face others in the next step. But I really want you guys to, to be able to hear what I'm talking about when I'm saying that I face my anger. Are you guys up for an exercise? So I'm going to need some class participation also in this exercise. Okay? Because I want you guys to understand this healing that I'm talking about that I'm starting to walk through. If you guys could close your eyes with me. And I have a question to ask you. Have you ever said or done something out of anger that caused terrible pain to the people or person that you love the most? I'm going to ask that again. Have you ever said or done something out of anger that's caused terrible pain to the people or a person that you love the most? If you have, can you raise your hand if everybody's eyes closed? Okay, you can put your hands down. 
Now, with your eyes closed, I want you to think of a specific instance when you did that. If you have your finger on that in your heart, can you raise your hand? Okay, you can put your hands down. And now you can open your eyes. This is where it gets fun. Is there anybody willing to step out on faith and share their situation? Oh, I got two right here, and this is my dear, lovely wife. I'm going to get to Gerard first. But this is a, this is a big deal, right? So, Gerard, I'd love for you to tell us about this situation. You don't have to use names, okay? But this is just dealing with you and your anger. And during this process, I'm going to ask that I walk alongside with you as the Holy Spirit. Does that sound good? Okay, you mind standing up? Can you tell us about your situation? Okay. Um, it was 1999, and it sticks out because... Um, It sticks out because I still, um, I still feel guilt over it sometimes. Um, I'd just been released from prison. And my mother and my girlfriend at the time were supposed to come pick me up. And when I stepped outside the gate, my mom was there, but my girlfriend wasn't. And so I was just immediately salty, right? Because we had talked about this and talked about this, and I was looking forward to this. And... This was my day. This was supposed to be about me, and you know, my, my selfishness was up there. So you were angry because the people that you thought that was going to support you didn't show up for you in a very important time. Yeah, I guess that's, that's how I saw it. So on the way home, um, I'm just letting it spin in my head. And my mom's trying to, you know, distract me and take me into a, another mindset, and I'm not letting her. And so we pull up in front of the house. I get out the car, and I say, I'm, I'm going to get me some cigarettes. I'll be back. And I walk off. She's like, well, can you at least come in the house first, you know, bring the stuff in, you know, because I had some stuff that I got released with. And I was like, I'll get it later. And I walked off you know, and took my temper tantrum around the corner and, got me some cigarettes, and then decided to take the scenic route back um, up North Avenue. And I gotten released. I got, you know, had a bunch of cash in my pocket, and you know, I decided, you know, I think I'm going to go smoke one. And I did. And it took me further than I wanted to go. And then less than six hours after being um, released from prison, <laughs> I was back in jail. So you never made it back home? How did that hurt the people that you feel that were closest to you? Well, one, the disappointment. But the major disappointment was the reason my mother wanted me to get inside the house was because there were a lot of people in the house waiting for me including my girlfriend. <laughs> you being your best self today, 
looking back at your worst self in that situation, you can stand back up. What would you say to yourself? What would you say to your worst self right now being your best self? What advice would you give yourself? What would you tell yourself? Stop being so selfish. Stop discounting people around you. Stop feeling like people owe you anything. And try to be a person to give instead of take all the time. Can you look at yourself right now and forgive yourself? That's a big question. Yes. Can you also see past all your stuff that you had and know that people really cared about you even though you thought they didn't? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty easy to see. You can see that now because hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Thank you for being a part of this. I appreciate you. <laughs> Having people tell stories is important because we got we to gotta see how this stuff is lived out practically, right? I'm going to do one more. My wife raised her hand. Do you mind standing up, babe? This is not about the toothbrush. <laughs> um, I would not do that. But um, this is uh, one of an experience that happened, I want to say six, seven, eight, maybe nine years ago. Um, it's one of my most not so proud moments as a parent. And sometimes you think, you know, you try to do the best that you can to be a parent but you're human. And in this moment, um, it was a really eye-opening experience. I'm gonna be vulnerable with y'all for a second, so. <laughs> My four-year-old at the time had done something. I don't remember now, but all I remember, she was not being obedient. Like, just wasn't listening, and I was just up here with it. And I just went off, like exploded on this four-year-old child. And I said, you go up to your room and go talk to God and pray and see and ask him, um, pray about it, about your behavior, whatever, whatnot, or I, I don't even remember. I just said, go to your room and go pray, talk to God. So she goes up, and I'm in the kitchen, and I'm, like, cooking, and I'm just, like, flustered. And then about maybe 15 minutes or so goes by and I hear little footsteps and she peeks and comes down and she says, mom or mommy, um, I prayed 
And God spoke to me. I said, okay, so what did he say to you? He said, or she said, um, I didn't quite want to do what he was asking me to do because I was afraid of what you might say or do. But I, I'm, I'm going to be brave. And this is what God told me. God said, go and give your mother a hug and go pray for her. And I looked at her and I was like, what? In that, my pride just started like coming up and I had to stomp on it and be like, no, this is the moment that I'm not going to ruin this for my child. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit just like broke me in that moment. And I went down to her level. And I said, okay. And she hugged me and embraced me and started praying for me. I don't remember everything that she prayed, but I do remember she said, Lord, I know that my mom is not perfect. But I forgive her. And um, I just, um, I could not believe that experience happened. And um, it really um, changed the course of my life as a mom from that point on. You and your healthy space right now, before you before our daughter even came and prayed for you, in that moment of anger, what would you tell yourself looking back right now in that moment when you were screaming at her and when you told her to go upstairs? Number one, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? But I think if I can calm myself down, I think I would have told myself, Where's the grace? The same grace that God gave you, where's the grace? And um, to have compassion. And the very things that I've been teaching that year, which happens to be the fruit of the Spirit, to also teach what you preach to your children. Yeah. Do you forgive yourself? Yes, I received God's forgiveness in that moment. Give it up for our brave uh, <laughs> folks that shared a little bit of their lives with us. That's a little bit about what I'm talking about when I had to turn around and face myself. The Holy Spirit had to walk me through what it meant to deal with my anger in my situations and to face it, to feel it, to know that for you to be able to feel the highs, you have to feel the lows too. But you have to be willing to walk through it. You have to be able to walk through it. Now, 
what you just allowed yourselves to see in that situation, and I hope you all can see it in your own situation, is what it looks like to look at yourself with compassion. You guys hear that? We just had an experience to walk with Gerard and my wife and what it looks like to deal with ourselves with compassion. I'm talking about dealing with us first. Psalm 103.8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Compassion is sympathy or concern for the suffering and the misfortune of others. It's important that we turn around and face our anger in ourselves, dealing with ourselves first so we can move forward in the next step. If you can have compassion on yourself, you can also have compassion on those who offend you. Oh, great day, man. If I was part of a shouting church, somebody would talk back to me, and I would have ran around this whole place. Come on, man. Do you all hear that? If we can have compassion on ourselves first, then we can have compassion and see other people through the eyes of Christ because we know that we're no better. Come on. But it starts with dealing with ourselves first. It starts with compassion. And we're not just responsible for loving those well who are closest to us. We're responsible for loving our enemies as well. Mm. So ask yourself, what are the major issues happening in our society today that make you angry? What are the things that you cry out for justice for? Who are the people that are the face of those issues? Now can you imagine yourself looking at those people with compassion? We got to understand the justice of God is different than the justice of man. In our anger, we demand justice. That means someone has to pay for the wrong that they've done. Justice in the kingdom of God is redemption. It's compassion. It's mercy. Great day. Matthew 5, 43 through 48, just so you all know I'm not lying to you. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends the rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Or not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't the pagans even do that? Be perfect, therefore as your heavenly father is perfect. If we're going to be doers of justice, if we're going to be able to respond to our anger in the way that God has called us to, we have to understand that the justice of God demands compassion. It's not like the justice of this world. I love to tell you a story. So I was at Camp Hope this past week, and at Camp Hope we have levels of of staff, so we have teenagers who are servants in training, we have junior counselors, and we have senior counselors, and all of our staff go through this training, trauma-informed care, right? And so we teach our staff how to not respond in anger when our kids do things that they're not supposed to do. We teach our teenage staff 
how to not respond in anger when kids do what they're not supposed to do. So one of the things I teach them is when that anger rises up, you look at a kid and instead of saying, what happened to you? Or instead of saying, what's wrong with you? You say, what happened to you? Right? And so one of our teenagers, the first day of camp, comes to me and said, Chris, man, I'm going through a really hard time, man. I just need you to pray. I need you to pray for me. I said, okay. Now, this is a young man who's from our community, who goes to Churchill Academy, who's 15 years old. And I sit him down. I said, let's pray. But first, tell me what's going on. He said, Chris, I'm dealing with this young man. And as he's escalating, I'm working with him. I'm trying to talk to him. And he keeps on escalating. I'm working with him. I'm trying to talk to him. And then he smacks me in my face. And he said, all I can do in that moment was reach out, grab him, and tell him I love you. He just said, I love you over and over again. He just said, I love you. I love you. Justice and discipline says for that kid that he should have been on the first bus smoking out of that camp. Because that's a behavior that's not warranted. But the love and mercy and justice of God said, no, compassion. Love this kid. That interaction, I don't know if you guys can see that. Heaven touched earth in that moment. This kid saw the love of Jesus through a 15-year-old because he went through a training, and all it did was change his perspective of instead of responding in anger, responding in compassion. And what we're talking about in changing a perspective, we talk about a renewed mind in Christ. It's not all woo it's not all spooky, but this is real stuff. We can actually live into what it means to have renewed minds by learning to live in the compassion of Jesus Christ. And in that instant, he was not ruled by his anger. Mm. He was not ruled by his anger. I know that we can do the same thing as grown adults in this place. I believe that there are people who are still dealing with anger. And I could say I'm still unpacking the anger that I have. But just like we acknowledge some things, I would really like to pray for you. The band can come up. Because some of the hardest things to do is to admit that we have issues, especially issues with anger, especially issues that cause harm to our community, especially issues that cause harm to the people that are closest to us. And what I like to do is I like to lead us in a time of prayer. And I would just ask that as we pray, if you're someone who's holding on to the burden of anger because you're a packer, that you would face it, that you would feel the pain, and that you would allow the Holy Spirit to walk you through that. If you're an anger eruptor, and there are instances in your life where you've hurt people, people who are close to you, and you've never dealt with it, you've never even forgiven yourself in that, you can be free. You can start the process today. Because the Holy Spirit is a healer, and he fills our hearts. He takes down the walls of all those places that we built up high, and he fills it with his spirit.
And I'd like that you all would just come on with me as we pray. Because as I pray for you all, I'm praying for myself as well. You all pray with me? Lord God, I just, I come to you in our time of need today. I pray for anybody who's under the sound of my voice, who has packed anger down so far that they haven't dealt with it, Lord God. There's a fear gripping their hearts to have to turn around and deal with this, Lord. God, I just ask that you would give them the grace to turn around and face this. Father God, some of us have had our boundaries just exploited. Some of us have been left as a shell of a person because we've allowed our values to just go in different places. We've been used by other people, Lord God, and in some of these situations, we've been willing participants. Lord God, I just ask that you would allow us to turn around and face these things. It's not your fault, and we're forgiven. The blood of Jesus covers us. And I speak the grace to not have to carry heavy burdens in this room anymore. Lord God, I pray for those people who have issues with erupting. Father God, I ask that you would convict our hearts today, Lord God, that you would allow us to change our perspective moving forward, that we would see through the eyes of Christ, that we can walk in a spirit of compassion instead of erupting on people. Holy Spirit, please arrest us in those moments to help us consider those people who we consider our enemies, to help us to consider those people that make us angry and to see them in the way that you do. Father God, we open up our hearts to you. And we ask that you would do a work on the inside of us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. As the band sings, if you feel like you would like to take another step in faith and just crying out to God, as the band is up front, we also have the pillows up here at the altar. We have a responsibility to love each other well. Jesus only gave us two commandments, and that covers them all. What anger does is threaten how we love each other, how we love those closest to us. And if we can't love those who are closest to us, well, how can we then love our enemy how Jesus commanded us to? I just want to invite people to walk in freedom today because there's grace. If you'd like to come to the altar and pray, there are pillows. If anybody would like to pray, anybody on the wall while the band sings, um, we're available. of God there is
encourage you to stand with me as we conclude our time together. Uh, one of the, th there are many pieces of good news about Jesus. One of them you heard um, in either the song or the song before, and it's that uh, Jesus promises that what he starts, he finishes. He who began a good work in you will, will finish it out. Um, that, that's good news for us tonight as we think about anger. It's good news because uh, one of the places the anger manifests, Chris, Chris talked about, something was done to you, um, and there's an anger that comes from that thing because you feel broken. The good news is that if you're found in Jesus, he's going to put that back together. Um, another piece of that is all the times that we think about where we inflicted that on other people, um, and we feel guilt over that. The good news of Jesus, if you're found in him, is he's going to put you back together, and you're forgiven. Um, and so tonight, you get to walk in the assurance and the grace and the gift um, that he who began a good work, he will finish it. And he's already started that process. There's going to be a day when it's complete, and you can rest in that. There's peace in that. Uh, so, brothers and sisters, this week, may you walk in that peace. May you walk in that knowledge. And may you walk in the power that comes from knowing that there's a work that has started that will be finished. Grace and peace. We'll see you next week.